We're back. The Scratchcast with Jimmy DeAnda. Oh, yes. And my wonderful co-host, Craig Pepe. Yep. So, yeah, maybe we should uh, talk about that guitar. I want to hear, I wanna hear <laughs> well, the SD story so, here. Yeah, so I was just telling, uh, uh, it was Craig, right? Yes. This About this guitar and, and that how Mick broke a guitar. Um, and then I happened to look up and there's a picture on his wall of the actual guitar and, said, and the incident when he broke. Before and, and after. Yeah, he said, yes. did you ever see uh, Mick's... Seafone green, I, oh, SG, I seafoam green or, white. or white. I said, no, I don't oh, think I've ever no. seen that or any pictures of that guitar. And then he walks up and goes, whoa, it's right here. That's <laughs> the one and only. And he goes, now look at the next picture. He broke it. And I'm like, on purpose? <laughs> Jimmy goes, <laughs> <Yep>. yeah. <laughs> it wasn't my idea. You guys were such ruffians and gangsters and barbarians. I just went along with it. This was, well, but it was yeah. kind of cool. This was the BB days, right? I, yeah. I swung... This way, Lonnie swung this That's way. That's right. You oh, guys you collided in midair. We collided in midair. So it was planned. It was yeah. planned. And was that was that planned. right then? It sounds like. Wait, was that yeah. New York? No, that was that Long Beach show we did. Holy balls! That was the greatest. The Long Beach show. That was so great. And then Lonnie missed the next gig in El Paso. That's right, Lonnie. Oh, get you, Lonnie. Yeah, he had a good time though. Yeah, Lonnie. He always has a good time. I love so how'd you feel the next day? With the well, body oh, and the actually, neck. And... Did you? Was that a loner? Uh, no, they had just given it to me. Oh, okay. So. Ouch. Yeah, ouch. Mm. And, and it wasn't cheapo. I mean, it wasn't like a, an expensive SG. It was like, Are you sure? like, yeah, it was like a lower model. Cause no. It, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was almost like a development. Because you know, is that something SGs you, are not. Is, is that something you tell yourself now so you don't feel it? Yeah, <laughs> it was old. Cheap. It, was, it was cheap. It had no value. It sounded like crap. <laughs> now we then we did Nashville, right, where Gibson is located. Oh, that's right. And again, I don't know how I decided to do this there. That's that's how naive and stupid you can be. With I'm right? sure all the Gibson, reps all the Gibson the reps there, a yeah. freaking gold top. He did the same Destroyed thing. Destroyed a gold top. Well, I don't know if he did it exactly like that, but now, for whatever reason, that gold top never saw another day. Did and they give you grief for that, or did somebody come and They talk didn't to appreciate it. I didn't hear it then. Okay. But you I think like Dave the... came up to me and said, like, uh, Mick, you know all the Gibson guys were there, right? Ooh. So yeah, you're like yeah, the Richie Blackmore of Gibson. It's... I, don't wanna, <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. I want them all back. Redo. Yeah. yeah. Well, remember, I got I actually got let go from Pearl Drums for breaking drums, and uh, they fired me. Really? Yeah. Eric, I'll never forget Eric Hall calling me up and saying, Jimmy, well, first they called to warn me. They said, uh, uh, Jimmy, uh, we don't appreciate you breaking our drums. And I said, but Tommy Lee breaks drums in video. And then I swear, Eric, I'll never forget this. He goes, Jimmy, you're not Tommy Lee. And I went, oh. Oh, okay. yeah. Oh, okay. That, that, that does make sense. Connection okay. made. Yeah, thank you. And then we went overseas and we did some shows. And then we did the, the <clears throat> Aussie thing. And then we destroyed our gear there. And they got the video after I already had the, the talk. So it seemed like oh, they had a talk and then I did right. it anyways. And uh, But I, had, I tried to explain to them that, no, that was filmed before we had 
you know, the we talk. We had our conversation. They didn't care. No, they didn't care. Oh, wow. Eric's but see, the thing is, you're not breaking drums. You're just kind of pushing them over. But that oh, was no. the same thing for them. Oh, no, I was breaking drums. You were breaking drums? Yeah. Okay. I was sending them back like eggs. Like oh. Eggs. Yeah. Sending them back to them? Well, yeah. Like the... Like, here's the oh, proof. yeah, exactly. I need oh, more. by the way, can you fix these? I need... No, I need more. I need new ones. Here's why. Look, it's broken. Oh, my God. At the end of that Aussie show, you can see me. I throw a floor tom which seems to be maybe 20 feet in the air. I guarantee you, it wasn't just falling over. <laughs> it was just throwing out. But I didn't break then, anything then. Wow, that's but it weird. did break. Yeah, they, they all broke. Yeah. Well, I remember yeah. the worst was, we were out with, uh, it might have been the Cinderella tour, and um, I think it was Mike Byers, or it might have been uh, Jeff Dunn. Uh, we, 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 we broke our stuff as we were doing on a regular basis, and then we got yelled at because that wasn't our stuff. That was... Uh, that was the headliner's oh. microphone. Oh, yeah, the mics. And then we the got went down. yelled. Yeah. I, don't I remember, remember who that. yelled at us, but you remember Brooksy. that? Brooksy. Was it Brooksy? Brooksy I actually remember out. like, you motherfucker, you can't break our fucking... And I, remember, I was like, ooh, that's not our stuff? I thought that was our stuff. <laughs> no, it wasn't our <laughs> oh, stuff. Oh, shit. Yeah, we were renting stuff from them so that it was just, they had it there and they let us use it. Yeah. Oh, oh those boy. breaking stories. Right? Yeah. And then the night that... Uh, a certain bass player rode back with, uh, rode to the next gig with CC Deville. You know, became basically a walking zombie. Broke his bass and threw it in the audience. Uh, Hi, Lonnie. Yeah, yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. He yeah. pushed me in one time into fucking. Uh, was that was that you that pushed both of us in? Oh no, I'd never do that. Somebody pushed me into the audience at the at the Mud Bowl. Which uh, the, the floor <laughs> the floor holds like it sounds like fun already. Yeah, you know where he ended the, up. Uh, uh, the floor holds like I want to say like ten or twelve thousand people or something stupid. I don't even remember. But I remember I couldn't Did get you disappear? out. I couldn't get out. Yeah, and then so our crew is trying to get me out, and I have and it's the eighties, so I'm wearing spandex. Right? <laughs> They're and sliding all. Yeah. Well, they're trying to pull them off as I'm trying to get out. So now. I'm like this, and I go like this to pull the hole myself. I, I, now I'm, you're back to square one. Exactly. And now they can't get me out. So now now the music's on, you know, the, the, the in-between music right. for bands, you know. And I'm like, I'm still in the fucking lines. <laughs> so Mike Selnick and people are trying to get us out. And then finally the Bon Jovi crew, because that's who was the headlining band, they do a, a human chain to get me out. Wow, and then I get out, and then we get bitched at for that because we, we, you know, we, you endangered our lives. You know, we're not here for you. You, you know, you're the fucking opener, and I was like, oh my oh, god, geez. but he pushed me in. <laughs> he pushed me in. Jimmy, I was like the brunt of the trouble. I swear to god. Oh, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, it was good times. It's yeah, all making Lonnie's times. fault, I'm sure. It, you know, you know it is. You know it is. Jeez, they were the leaders. So unkind. <laughs> so anyway, that brings us to today. What's going on with you? What's happening? Well, you know, I'm uh, I've been the, the touring drummer for uh, for George Lynch for Lynch Mob for for a couple of years now, and that you know George is a phenomenal player, and he's a, he certainly you know, is. Yeah, he's, I adore his playing. He's one of those fucking guys, uh, and, and that's fun. You know, I you know getting to fucking go on the road and do stuff. You know, it's really nice to be able to see people and make new connections and stuff. Yeah. You know. Um, and of course, there's the thing, you know, that record's coming out. I did a record with them. That's coming out in a couple of months. Oh, then, good. Yeah, you know. I mean, right now, honestly, who knows what records do anymore other than, you know, it's it's a, it's a good way of saying we're still alive. Right? Yeah. We're still making music, yeah. you know, I mean, with today's world being what it is, music, uh, industry-wise. I mean, you know, who sells records, you know, uh, Taylor Swift, you know, Justin Bieber, you know, I mean, other than that, I mean, yeah. who really sells records anymore? 
Um, well, that leads me to something I wanted to ask you. What is your take on the music industry as it stands right now? Uh, How do you navigate these rusty corridors? You know, honestly, I, I, I kind of don't yet. Yeah, isn't it weird? Yeah, because I think that the industry changes so drastically every couple of years. Yeah. I'm just waiting for the next one to come around that I can be ahead of mm-hmm. and try to get my foot in the door and make some money at it. You know, but most of the time, you know, what by the time I hear something, you know, it's already it's it's yeah. underway, and there's no way to kind of get in on, on the floor. On and that. meanwhile, if you're anything like me, is just keep mu- making music yeah. and yeah. just keep doing what you do yeah. and hope yeah. at some point, you know, the two meet. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, you know, I know that you know, in, in one area, it's really difficult. You know, but in another area, like you know, you and I now have well, you've always had a recording studio, in, in, you know, where you lived, <laughs> but. We get to now make our own records, you know, without anybody right. above us saying, I don't like this, change that, you know, we're, we're smooth up, I, I need to hear, you know, you know, you won't hear that, you know, luckily, you know, we can actually put stuff out, you know, and as long as you've got a good uh, distribution company to back you up or work with, and, you know, even a smaller label can help, you know, and if you sell, you know, five, ten thousand 10,000 records a year, that's actually good business for you, you know, because it's, it's, you know, it just keeps your name in people's mouths, and, right. you know, I know for me personally... <clears throat> That's something because, you know, when I, you know, I got out of the business for a good five years. And once your name drops out of people's mouths, then, of course, that's when really, you know, you're forgotten. Yeah, you have to work your way back up. Yeah, exactly. So in like 99, 2000, you know, I started, you know, doing it again. And then it took me that much time to get back into like people. Oh, I remember you. Yeah, you're a great drummer. You want to come play with us? Hell yes. I need money. Let's do this. You still have your core fans. Well, yeah, you know, but but remember in all in, the bands that you established yourself right with throughout the and, and, and it was nice because I got to play with some really cool cats. I was uh, Mike Starr's bass player from Allison, uh, drummer for Allison Chains, uh, the bass player of Allison Chains. I played drums for him for a while, and then unfortunately, you know, we lost him. Um, and there's some musicians I met through him. There's a guy uh, uh, Travis Brock that is one of the fucking most scariest singers you've ever fucking heard. I mean, this guy's like insane, like Bowie meets Lane Staley kind of. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't have never met that guy if I wasn't out trying to connect with people and doing that right. kind of stuff, you know? And yeah, you've always been an amazing networker. I've always admired that yeah, about you. I, you know, Mick, I'm telling you, I've tried my best because I, I'm I'm as uncomfortable sometimes as most people are. Yeah. You know, I just, I have to open my mouth and go, hi. Yeah. <laughs> my name's Jimmy. You I know, bet. And you've you, been unafraid to do that forever. And I've that's tried. really cool. That yeah. served you well, I think. Yeah. It really is, you know, and I'll tell you, I think that, you know, growing up in LA and seeing bands like Motley and Rat and those guys were out there hustling that shit, you know. We saw them in the clubs, you know, pushing 45s, mm-hmm. selling 45s, yeah. giving away at first and then the saying, we're going to sell more outside in the back after. And you go in the back of the whiskey after and then the, 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 there yeah. they are, selling fucking records, you know, 45s. So, you know, I like to think that I still have some of that. But like you said, where, how do you do that today? How does that, how do you parlay that into an actual making money, you know? Yeah. So it's just, for me, I think the live experience still is, is king. I think going out and playing live, you know, people mm. want to see that. People definitely want to see bands like us, which leads me to the last, you know, the, uh, with uh, Lies, Deceit, and Treachery, which, of course, is Mick and myself and, and Lonnie. For the first time, you know, we, you know, off and on years, we, we've all played together, but this is something that I think that could be just fun, you know, and we found the right singer. That was a thing, I think, for a lot of years. It was just, it was hard to find a singer that can do Mark's notes. And even more, and, and really, I mean, I, I'm not going to speak for Mick, but more than anything else, Somebody we want to spend time with right. and hang out with, you know, have food with, you know, sit there and actually joke around with and go out and travel and, and you know, do 
Yeah. You just do it. Just be fun with each other right. and, yeah. and still maintain that chemistry of right, music. Right, right, right. And, and for me personally, in, in lies, you know, I don't have any like preconceived notion. I'm not trying to achieve a, this apex goal. I'm just trying to go play shows. I just want to play shows. I want to be on stage with Mick again. I want to play with Lonnie. I, I, you know, when I, when I play with these guys, it's literally like nothing else. I mean, I love playing with everybody else I play with, but it's literally like nothing else. Right. When I play with those guys on stage, it's it's like <clears throat> it's so hard to it's like <laughs> imagine this. When you were thirteen, you met the love of your life, okay, and then you guys separate, and then you see her at fifteen, you go, "Holy shit, you were the one!" Right? You know, it's kind of like that's kind of like what it was. Like I didn't realize how amazing the band was, you know, because I was nineteen when I joined the band, and I didn't realize it. I just thought we're great, yeah, all right, cool, you know. And it wasn't until I went and played with other musicians. And they came back and played with these guys, and I was like, holy balls. This is like, I mean, I, I know people are going to listen to this and go, Jimmy, you're high. But it's like, for me, like Led Zeppelin. It's like cheap trick. Like When I play with these guys, that's what I feel like I'm right. in, you know. And well, it goes back to that chemistry again. It really does. It really, really <clears throat> does. You know? Well, I can definitely concur. I, I have never played with a better band, you know, as far as I'm concerned in terms of locking and, and the groove. And... I'll confess the same thing. When I listen back to some of the live tapes that I have, I don't know how many different bands at the time that we were out were improvising like we were, right. were you know, sort of taking our songs and restructuring them and playing with them live. And, right. and I, imp- I remember, I sort of got, <clears throat> I remember this, being on stage in front of 10,000 and looking at Mick and he gave me that look like, Let's fucking do something stupid here. And I'm like, okay. You know, <laughs> in front of 10,000 people, jam an idea right there in the middle of a song. Right. Just, we've never done it before. Yeah. There's 10,000 eyes on us in the middle of Hell My Hills. I'll play something and he'll go right into something different. Mm-hmm. And then Lonnie will look over and go, okay, okay, hold on. What, what, what What's going on? Okay. Yeah. And then break it down and then Mark would do his thing. And then it right. was just like, like, really, honestly, I don't know many bands that did no. that. You know, I mean, other than like the Hendrixes and. Not that I'm comparing this, but I mean, no, I get, yeah, those I guys did that because that's what they did, right? You know, but mm-hmm. we were like, you know, kind of like we had a record, we had a sound, we were doing this thing, and we, at one point we said, "Fuck it." Let's and you're it. you're totally right. It was like blood flowing to different organs. Yeah. You know, it would start in one place, go to another. That organ would wake up, and then by the time it got to line, he'd be like, "Yeah," and it wouldn't. I mean. And Mark too, you know, give him right. credit where it's due. I mean, right? He, oh, absolutely. He was there and and was a. Mostly professional, right? You know, in terms of the music. Well, the stage, yeah, absolutely. You know, but I, but what I liked about it is then it was like like because we learned from the greats. If you listen to Led Zeppelin's Days Confused, the first few years they did it, you can see where they began to embellish. Yeah, you can see where it starts to extend, and then later on by '77 you get Days Confused live, which you ha- which we all know now yeah. know is the live version. But the early versions, you can tell they were just kind of. Veering off to the left yeah, a you, little bit. You wouldn't want to see the wave files, no. right? No, you know. Yeah. I mean, they're definitely not going to match up all the time. But but, but we know. did that though because I remember then, like the next time we played, you look at me like the thing we did last time. Yes, yeah. Let's go there and go a little further. But all this really happened on stage. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a discussion right. before the show. Yeah, it we didn't like, rehearse. Hey, by the way, uh, in the breakdown, I want you to go uh, go twelve bars instead of eight tonight. Right. It, that never Nothing happened. Like that. And yep. th- and I think a lot of bands did that. I know a lot of guitar players that I've talked to who really have to sort of learn every note they're going to, and they have to know where they're going right, to go. Right, right. And 
and in fact, you've expressed that to me, Craig. You you like to know exactly right, yeah. what you're going to do, right. have it practiced, and and yeah. I have never been able to. I've never been able Ex- to do except that, except for live. I have to, so I know what you're talking about. That I yeah, I do like to know exactly what I'm getting into. I right. want to know the notes. I want to know the structure. Yeah, it, it's for me. Right. I don't, yeah. And I don't like to be embarrassed. I like to think I have everything together when I come in. <laughs> and I'm going to sit down. I'm going to take it one take. I'm out of here. Right. Yeah. Over However, I must say, playing live, I know what you're what you're talking about because that's when I've gone into you know you get a groove, you lock right. in. Yeah, you, just, you felt it. Yeah, you yeah. go with it. So. Yeah. And um, again, I think there's something to be said about you know having the ability to do that. You know, because whether or not a, a band practices it or not, a lot of bands can't actually. You know, they they would like to. It's no. totally. It seems foreign. You know what yeah. I mean? It's the individuals too. Exactly. You, you I, have to have that. I I keep saying chemistry, but the individual has to be able to to feel it and lock into it, mm-hmm. get into it, and mm-hmm. and just go with it without. But you know, these are all from our influences, and that's yeah. again why I try to tell young musicians and young artists, you know, go back and listen to. You know, the people who your grandparents listen to, you know, it may seem old fogey-ish, but I'm guaranteeing you, you're going to hear stuff there. You're going to go, oh, that's where that came from. Yeah. That everyone does now. It started with, you know, Janis Joplin and then, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. And, you know, the Doors did stuff like this. Oh, I thought it was just Pink Floyd that was all airy and kind of, you know, loop. No, you know, it's it goes further back. There's a lot of bands that really kind of took chances early on, and that's... That's what I always liked about, you know, how dangerous rock can be when right. we let it go. Yeah. You know, it can take us places that we didn't know we could go. Right. Yeah. I remember when I was younger, I used to get so annoyed when people would ask me, well, what are your influences? Car crashes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, violence. Right. Explosions really get me off. <laughs> you know, I just got so tired right. of, of thinking that, okay, everybody has, you just have to listen to other guitar players. Right. Yeah. And, and that's not, that wasn't me. I no. listened to Keith Emerson. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, that guy had more of an influence on me than I think Billy Gibbons did, you know, and just in terms of, of where he went and, you know, that's part of what I would impart to a young person too. You know, don't think that music is just your instrument. Right. 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 Yeah. I've always loved that. There's that uh, interview that they did with, um, I think it's Eddie Kramer where he says that Hendrix used the studio like an instrument. Right. You know, and I always thought like, holy hell, that's that's brilliant mm-hmm. to look at this room and go, how do I make this be a part of like my guitar playing is? How do I make this be like that? Yeah. That's like to me like, holy hell, that's a brilliant mind right there to mm-hmm. even see it like that. Not like this is instrument. That's something that, you know, somehow just connects with this, not contributes to it right like yeah. the first time you see radio somebody from radiohead get down and start oh forget about their it. guitars over here and they're just <clears throat> right. turning knobs you know and that's freaking awesome that's the yeah. way music should be yeah yeah the one last bands i saw that did that was uh, juan alderetti when he was in uh, um mars volta and those guys would do these jams that were fucking literally like you, you were like it was just crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, rhythmically, it's it's haunting. It's just like it's this throbbing rhythm. Yeah. But then you have guys like guitar stuff and, and pedals and, and and white noise that's somehow rhythmically challenging. You know what the drums and bass are doing. Yeah. And it was just like like wow, that is really cool. It's just it's all working off each other. It's like the guitar was going, woo, 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 and it's just it's <laughs> yeah. just an effect, and the drummer's going, dude, and it's like. Holy shit, that's working. <laughs> that's like, great. Yeah. You know, like how is... do yeah, how do you do that? Right. That's funny. We've been listening to a lot of Lana Del Rey and and her music is just 
stacked with pads. Yeah. They might be vocals. Uh-huh. It could be noise. It could be guitars. You don't even know what they are, but they're gorgeous. You know, they're soundscapes, and I just I've always loved that. Yeah. So what's on the table for lies? Well, um, I just uh, we just booked uh, um, uh, Las Vegas on April first is in stone. We got uh, the end of April, April 29th in Denver, Colorado, and uh, there's another one that's that hopefully I can close up this week um, in LA. So you know if I can get three shows to get started out, you know mm-hmm. just so we can just you know go out there and just have some fun. Uh, that would be great, you know. But the the overall goal would be then to find a booking agent so that you know they can just come to us and say, "Here are the offers. Right. You know, what do you guys want? We want this. We don't want that. We'll take that. We don't want that." It's a schedule. Yeah, exactly. Get a schedule yeah. together and start. You know, just going out and playing and doing the flyout dates mainly. You know. And for those of you that are wondering, we did try to get the original Bullet Boys back together. We we made a, a concerted effort. I give Jimmy a lot of credit for trying to put this thing together. Uh, it was just recently, what? It was just couple, recently. couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it was just a couple weeks ago. And we all met at NAM. Mark was there. Lonnie was there. And we had a very brief conversation. It was very clear that it wasn't going to uh, come to fruition. And uh, frankly, we're all pretty sad about it. I mean, we really wanted to, to see it work. We thought it would be a fun thing to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to apologize to all you people that we couldn't make it happen. We yeah. gave it a good shot. Yeah. I, and I, I will admit, honestly, because <clears throat> we have talked over the years about doing it, but this was, honestly, the uh, uh, the closest we've ever come to doing it. Um, I think that, you know, for the most part, there was real understanding of what we wanted from this. And it wasn't like, uh, you know, pie in the sky. You know, we weren't mm-hmm. thinking, we weren't trying to relive a, a, a certain thing. What we were trying to do is just Put it together and make it fair for everybody. And, um, you know, in the end, really, no matter how you slice it, business is business. And if it doesn't benefit everybody, then, you know, then it benefits nobody for me personally. Right. So, and I, and I think that we kept the fans in mind foremost because, I mean, let, let's admit it. I'll speak for myself here. But, you know, what Mark's doing, that's great. Give him all the credit in the world for keeping it going. Um but it's not Bullet Boys, it's Bullet Boy, and that's fine for him. Yeah. But uh, what we wanted to do was to put you know, the unit back together for, for people to see, to, yeah. for right. people to come back and, yeah. and get what they are looking for when they go to those Bullet Boy shows. Right. And, uh, well, I think it was no more apparent, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it was no more apparent than when we did the show in 2010, where, I mean, you know, we... On just basically word of mouth, you know, there wasn't a lot of promotion for it. We did a show in, in L.A. in Hollywood, and <clears throat> it was, I'm sure, the only sold-out show that Mark's played, you know, in for a yeah, long, long time. Two decades. And, and it was not only sold out, but they were turning people away at the door. Wow. You know, and it was, uh, you know, it was packed to the gills. And I remember looking up and seeing the guys from Whitesnake and seeing Gene Simmons' kids were there. And, and Brian Tishy was in the front right there, on, you know. Like, you know, right. I mean, th- this was an event, and I know that that's what people wanted. You know, people would have loved to have seen more of that, and it's an, it is unfortunate. And I and I do agree with you that um, you know we just wanted to do our best to try to get it out to the audience, to the fans of Bullet Boys, and so they could see. You know, because I know that a lot of people saw us back in the day, and they they I'm yeah. sure they write you too oh, yeah. and yeah, say, absolutely. "Oh my God, you guys were still one of the best bands I ever saw." Live. I just <clears throat> you know I had dinner the night with Fred Corey, and we were talking about 
you know, I, I, I never knew the story, and I don't, I'm sure you haven't either, because I just found this out. <laughs> so he said that uh, they were in uh, in Europe, and they were finishing up uh, a tour in the, the early, uh, late 80s. No, no, it was like right in the summertime. And uh, they had got the first Bullet Boys record. Actually, no, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm telling the story wrong. They did an in-store. And they were going through all, all the new records that are coming out, and Fred said, he goes, all I know is I saw the apple with the bullet through it, and he goes... I got to know what this is. And he goes, based on just your album cover wow. is what, he goes, he goes, I swear to you, I, I'm not lying. We put that thing on the bus and it never got, it never was off the bus. It was, it was, it was, <laughs> a, 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 it was wrong wow. rotation. Yeah. Wow, and he goes, funny. he goes, and then we called up, I can't think of the manager right now. He goes, we called and we said, we want <clears throat> Bullet Boys. They're the, they're the band going on right before us. And the manager said, Fred, I'm so sorry. Winger's already been booked for that. And then they said, well, let's talk to the Bullet Boy management and see if we can get them to the opening band. And, of course, we ended up being the opening and band. And hence wow. the... Uh, and there it is, the buddy double platinum up there, up there yeah. from Fred These guys are very appreciative of us being That's out awesome. there. I don't know That's why. That's a great story. <laughs> I mean, up. we went on the first date. What, what happened? You probably know the story better than I. We went to... We did a little run up north mm-hmm. to Seattle or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Flew out of Seattle to Lexington or uh, Louisville, Kentucky. L- Louisville. <laughs> Louisville. Don't say, oh my God. I'm sorry. I didn't say yeah, that. I didn't know because it was a joke because it, every time I said it, they would correct me there. And I thought it was right. funny. that I, So now I said it just to piss them off. Go ahead. So, uh, so we get there and we have a night off. Yes, we do. Probably the worst decision yes, ever made. And uh, we enjoyed that night off yes, to a certain did. point, to the point where the cops were having to push open the hotel door against all the detritus and TVs and dressers that were leaning up against it. Anyway, Lion and I had a great time in jail. Oh, no. And, but, the, uh, but the best thing was this. Well, first of all, uh, you guys, it, it became one of the, the who stories where uh, I could just hear things being broken next door. And I'm like, what's going on? So I, I went over there. <laughs> all happy. Yeah. Like, yeah, like things are breaking. Oh, cool. that's great. So I went over there. And and Lonnie's just in like he he's doing this thing with his boxers where he would roll them all the way up <laughs> like, like oh yeah like uh, I don't know what but so this, yeah. sumo shorts or something exactly, exactly. <laughs> like too and, much too much cloth in these things yeah. <laughs> and then and then of course Mick is attempting to uh, to take the TV off of of, of the of the the desk <clears throat> that it's on but it's bolted. So now he's meticulously figuring out how to take the screws out of where the TV is being, where it's it's holding it. And then Lonnie now is breaking something in the bathroom. All the while, all the while, forgive me, there's a naked girl in the bed. Not mine. I, I, I don't know who it was. I just remember she was scared shitless. Yeah. She didn't want to leave. She had the blankets up to her nose, <laughs> looking around, and then and I, then I hear the to- the top of the toilet, the, the, the thing that covers the top. I hear, Ba-bang! that thing is gone. <laughs> and then so I contribute, and I start, and we start like peeling off the, the wallpaper. I mean, we're getting... We're, you got bad. We're getting oh, silly. Man, okay, man. so watch. So, so here we go. So this is in my room, and, right. and this is their room, and there's, oh, there's a huge mirror that broke. And there's literally, I shit you not, there's broken mirrors Shreds of on the bed. Everywhere. Well, I remember it was on the Ugh. bed. Because I remember at one point, like, Meg was, like, starting to lay down on broken glass on the bed. Like, because everybody's just fucked up. We're just, you know, yeah. slammed. And then, Tequila so, that night. Yes. Yeah, so then 
Now, uh, uh, I get, I'm like, I'm gonna go back to my clean room. <laughs> I'm out of here. I, and I go back, and then I, then I hear this, like, you know, 8 a.m. If whatever, like this knocking on the door that you only know if you've ever had the cops knock on your, yeah, on really your door. Really you know yeah. the knock. Yeah. It's a very, it's, yep. it's that's it right there. And then I jump up, I'm like, what the hell? And I open the curtain, and there's a row of cops in front of my room because they're right next to my room. So I can see their backs facing, and they're walking towards Mick and Lonnie's room. And I went, "Oh shit! I can see this." And and then so what they do is they uh, the guy then opens up the door, and like you said, like you can hear <laughs> he's you like hear you the, see the shoulder, you can hear like debris stuff being pushed back. It, it, like almost, it's almost yeah. concrete. He like, can't get in, basically. Okay, and then you can hear them yelling. You can hear them, you know. And then, and the next thing I see is Mick in his underwear, Lonnie in his sumo underwear, <laughs> uh, uh, being arrested, uh, handcuffed, and and being taken away. This is literally the first night, I believe, the first night of our tour. Is that night? And this is eight a.m. that morning. Yes. Yeah. Of yeah. your yeah. the night of your. And we don't know if we're gonna make it. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. And Lonnie's in jail. Never forget it. And is that, we're, and they, they're, we're, we're like, we're not even in the holding center. We're in the line to get like a, a sign wherever Processed. we're going to go. And there's a bunch of guys going, ah, yeah. And Lonnie goes, yo, yeah. Oh, yeah. He gets, he's like, I'm fucking crazy, man. I'm fucking crazy. And he's, he's like, oh, he must have been here before. He knows what to do. And I'm just standing there going like. I'm fucking. Uh, I'm with him. Yeah, I'm with crazy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love you, Lonnie. Yeah, yeah but that, so that too. was the, the the beginning of that tour. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So we and had, so we, I'll never forget. We made it in just in time for oh, yeah. like the dinner spread, and here are the two bad guys, you know, like sitting down to eat. Yeah. yeah. Questions? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no. I, I, you know what's funny? I, I think that they thought people were mad, but the truth is, everybody was like, "Yeah, yeah. that's the way you start the tour." Yep. You know. And we had to go you back. Made it. We had to go back and face a judge, and, and Warner Brothers had all the big I, guns I out. I remember that. I wow. Remember that. We lawyered up big that? time, and the guy said, "Well, just y'all just pay for the room and take care of it and get the hell out. Don't come back. Don't come back." Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. How much was that, by the way? Do you remember? Three grand, I think. Like Mine was way more than that. Hey, we could have done it in New York. Yeah, true. Well, I, I one wow. time, I, uh, I went, I had a fire extinguisher, and I went, <laughs> and I, I shot it under everybody's oh, door, no. the room. I'm not seeing the carnage that's happening under this other room. I'm going, <laughs> <laughs> you like, <laughs> yeah. And then I don't realize that a part of what this thing does is that the, the, the fire retardant sucks oxygen. Oh, that's what it does. So. Once and then the um, the the alarms or whatever this is that happens up here acknowledges that this stuff is being sprayed and then somehow ignites or it turns on. So then now the alarms are all going off now and then the uh, the uh, it's like literally rows and rows of fire trucks come out. Oh and, man! And then I'm hiding because now they're after me. I'm hiding under my ma- under our manager's bed. They knew it was you. They, well, they, yeah, they knew it was me. Yeah. But that cost me like six grand. Who'd you get the worst? I thought you got cooch or something. Pretty bad. Oh, I got everybody bad. Uh-huh. I just remember, yeah. I, 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 dude, I went into the rooms after. I didn't realize the whole room was white. <laughs> and then there were people that had their suitcases open. And they're all powdered up. Yes. And foam everywhere. Jesus. Yes. Flame retardant. People you didn't yeah. even know? You were, no. Oh. Uh, you know what? Maybe. Could have. Could have been. I swear, I was drunk. Not just I, the band. Huh? Dude, I was just drunk being a little yeah. silly kid. Yeah. You were just drunk. <laughs> we we have a mutual friend who told me a story. of you know, My... Um, 
ex-roommate from the Hollywood days, Billy McCarthy. Billy. He's a old pal roommate. I love Bill. Musician friend of mine. And he's telling me something about you two driving around one night. I don't know. But you were <laughs> throwing up outside the car. Oh, or could be. Hanging on. So could be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How is Bill? He's good. Good. He's uh, in Chicago. Oh, good. Doing he's, a documentary. Or he something, has that right? documentary. He's still trying to get it produced. Yeah, he's. It's but the, I. Yeah, I remember seeing him posting. Ferocious drummers. That's right. That's right. And he's uh, an author as well. He's putting out a book called "Beat Me Till I'm Famous." You know, I owe him a drum set actually. Jeez. Yeah. So tell him I'll get I'll get right on that. <laughs> <laughs> I talked to him last week. I'll let him know. Please so. <laughs> say hello for me. Yes. Billy, that's fun. Well, yeah. there's some stories for you. Hi. You never did get to hockey. Yes, I remember sitting up with with Mick. I remember sitting up with Mick, all coked up, watching eight hour hockey fights. Hockey fights, oh, I yeah. with Jimmy, because I got you can do that. I got into it. Yeah, and I got, but I got the VHS tape. Yes. Right. Well, didn't hockey Warner's fight. make that for you? Somebody at Warner Brothers? No. No, I've ended up just. I have those too. I used do you? To have those. Oh, dude. And I used to do the same thing in the late. We would sit. We would sit there. Watch Rocket Man. He's going to give it this guy. Oh, here goes Probert. Probert and Coaster. I'm telling. I I wasn't it. That was my introduction to hockey, by the way. It was just violence. They're addicting. You oh, can dude. watch those hockey, awesome. especially on Coke. Well, dude, yeah. all night long. All man. night, just yeah. this is yeah. great. That was a good time. And, and then we do Save the World talks. <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, that, that leads into that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> now that they've all beat each other up, <laughs> let's talk about peace. I, yes. I think Love. Fred Curry does. He's mm-hmm. a huge Kings fan, but I thought yeah. he did the music program. You know, between periods. Are you ready for this? Yeah, I that, I'm actually playing floor toms on, uh, on when they score a goal. Really? That's that's you doing it's the, the same music that you have now, huh? Yeah. That's all. Oh yeah, yeah. Damn. That's good. Yeah, he does all that. Right. He does very well. If you look at his video, all the old um, Cinderella videos, he usually has a Kings. Oh yeah, dude. Jersey he, on. He was a the... Kings fan, like when it wasn't cool to be a Kings fan. Is it? Wait, is it cool still? Is it cool now? Uh, well, this year, kind of. Well, yeah. <clears throat> this year, I might want to think. So about back it. in the um, purple and yeah, right, gold all right. days. Yeah. But uh, yeah, hockey was very was was uh, uh, eye opening because I remember Mick telling me that um, these guys their only job is to hurt. That's it. He goes like these guys they score they set up these but this guy he's uh, is a bruiser enforcer enforcer yeah you know he is watch I guarantee you, before this this period's up he is going to cause a lot of damage to somebody right and so we'd sit there watching and there he goes bam just starts fucking wailing on some guy I'm like this is great I love this and back in those days at least there weren't face shields these guys are now punching through yeah. like, face shields really? and it's crazy and, and that's the first thing I do now and somebody gets in a, in a uh, drops the mitts I'm looking at their knuckles like, oh, yeah. did they get torn up? Because these guys are like, you have to now. Back in the old days, I mean, you know, you could get a helmet off or they'd take the helmets off or they didn't have helmets at all. Now, you have to swing for the helmet. Wow. You have Because otherwise, you look like a pussy if you, or yeah. you're not fighting at but all. But you could break your hand. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, hell yeah. And usually, the only time that happens is when a star player drops a mitts for the first time. Like, he's got to step up for his right. boys and, right, and right. prove he can do it. He's going to be the guy to break his hand. Wow. It started out, you had the, those types of players who would go after the, the skilled guys. Mm. And they would just make them nervous and throw oh, them off their game and intimidate okay, them. Gotcha. You're, you're playing and you know this guy behind you is a little wacky and he yeah. just might take a stick. And oh, he can really? Make. Yeah. So teams got wise to that. They would counter that. They would get an, their tough guy to go out and counter this tough guy. When it first started, if you did something cheap or dirty... You had to fight your own battles oh, okay. back then. And 
I, I appreciated that. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I like everybody. Yeah, if you're going to play that way, own right. up to it. Then yeah. the theory got to, well, let's put a goon out there, so to speak, and throw the star off and get him off his game. So mm-hmm. we'll counter that. We'll get our goon and throw it. Pretty soon it's just goon against goon. Right. You know, it, was, mm-hmm. it was all almost, you could tell a fight was going to happen. Right. This guy's going to fight this guy. Yeah. It's all premeditated. Almost. Right. And but it's, it's kind of gotten away from that a bit. Yeah, and I never really got the whole policing thing. I don't. I don't think that ever, ever worked. You know, they talk about how that sort of levels the playing field and mm. keeps everybody honest, but it doesn't. Everybody, those guys were no. nasty yep. and cheap, and there were people getting brained with sticks oh. way back when. Yeah, and wow. it was. It's always been ugly. Yeah. You know, because it's a very as you know, it's a very fast, emotion-driven sport. Yeah. You know, if somebody's doing this to you, oh, you know, you'll take it. one or two. But, <laughs> right. you know, that third one, and that's you're going to go, done. come on. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's, you know, that's how most of that good stuff happens. You know, like like Craig said, when it's premeditated and, and literally the guy goes, come on, dude, let's go. Yeah. Let's get this over with. Yeah, yeah. Let's, get let's get it over with. That's <laughs> and they exactly right. They, they would that's do funny, that. Though. So. All right, you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. Yeah. And and the thing is, as we've talked about way back then, you know, with all those nicely chopped up lines. Yes. Um, these guys think about this all season long. They look at the calendar. They go, wow. oh, my God, this guy's on this team. Right. This guy's on this team. Watch the fight tapes. The he's, watch, he's a yeah. lefty. Okay, he can switch. He can go to right. I got a concussion right now. I My knuckles are all freaking hamburger. Oh, wow. And I got to go tomorrow. Oh, fuck, I a lot know. of those guys, are, they're dying. Oh hell yeah! Yeah, I know. I, I see stress I, I, alone, I, I, yeah. and a number of have yeah. just killed themselves after yeah. they've retired, right? Because there's, what do you do? Yeah, you know, no. it's just like almost coming back from battle. You yeah, know, or like PTS. I'm gonna go to Applebee's with you, please. You know, uh, I always wanted you to do something though, Mick. I wanted you to do like a, um, like a, a star one, like you know, like where, where it's all like just like you know actors and, and, and movie guys and musicians and I want to make to do that like throw his gloves down to like you know just some guy and just start going at it just like yeah well I don't know I don't know I may have told you the story but there's some guy that was on it wasn't I don't think it was Friends who, who? oh yeah uh, what's name from Friends he played um, yeah Matthew, Matthew Matt, but yeah. this this guy was on a 90210 I think well, that's what I was going to say. Oh, some Pure, uh, punk ass who played hockey. Yes. Yeah. Jason Justin. Priestley? Priestley. Yes. yes. That's yes. the guy. Canadian yeah. kid. And I'll yes. never forget it. We were playing Did up at Isoplex. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, we're in this celebrity game, right? <laughs> and it's yes. supposed to be all Let's fun and everything. And I'm standing in front of our net and I'm trying to, you know, sort of, I don't know if I'm playing a center or whatever. I shouldn't have been there. I'm a winger. But anyway, I'm standing in front of the net and this douchebag yeah comes like with his head down and just like a missile like a missile and plows me in the chest in a charity game down in a charity game yeah yeah and i'm like that's a douche and then skates off right so i get goes to the bench or whatever because i'm like what the hell i'll get that guy (laughs) and i I didn't get a chance obviously But uh, I'll never forget that. That's a that douche. Uh, every move. time I see that guy, that's exactly what I think. Like, well, dude. actually, you know, he was in a really a bad, bad car crash uh, some years back. Hmm. <laughs> Mick, I hmm. wonder why that happened. Hmm. Yeah, because he raced cars. <laughs> His too. brakes go out. Yeah, right. <laughs> Mysteriously, or, you know, is there some car coming around? <laughs> yeah. But I'll never forget. In the same game, I had a two-on-one with Ricky Rackman, hmm. and it was clear cut. I mean. There might not even have been a defenseman there. And I'm thinking, okay, cool, man. I'm going to just dish it over to Ricky. 
hits a stick and goes flying into the corner. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I could have shot that. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Oh. But it's fun. Yeah. Well, there's our hockey. Yes. Yep. I'm Anything glad we else? Did it all. Anything else you want to share with us? No. Just that I love everybody. Well, how about this? What's the last song you heard that you wished would just disappear into the ether, never to be heard again? The last song I heard, uh, I, so it's a song I don't like then, right? I'll tell you mine. Oh, please tell me yours. I heard Kryptonite again. I don't know who these guys are. Oh. Three Green Doors or something like that. Yeah. And I'm sure many of you people love that song. For me, it's everything well, that's wrong. That's now, right. do you just like the song because it's the song or because it's overplayed? Because I can say, I if I have to hear a Def Leppard song again, I, I won't be happy. I mean, because they, they just play it so Even much. Photograph? They, <laughs> Ma, Mick, I, I can't put on any rock station without a Def Leppard song coming around. And I'm like, dude, you know, at least play something from the first album. You know, on through the night. Give me something there. No, that I'll be happy I, can't, to do. I can't do they that. They just play the same songs, and that's right. I, that that. But that's not their fault. That's no. The, that's I think the those PD are there. those are called hits. Yeah, yeah, but that's the PD. Keep playing the same stuff. But as far as songs, I honestly, I I couldn't really tell. You're you. just a lover, huh? I think I just you know I I kind of cut every bad. Not even song. Billy Joel. Like all the. But I love game. Bill. Oh God. God. Are you kidding me? Bill oh. makes me happy like nobody else. <laughs> I love him. And his drummer, fucking talking about drummer. Oh, yeah. Fucking Liberty DeVito. Forget about it. That guy still, this very day, hits those drums like they fucking owe him rent. That's the good part. <laughs> yeah, I love him. I He's awesome. What, what new music are you listening to these days? Um, new music, honestly, there's not a whole hell of a lot. Um, you know, I got turned on to some stuff that uh, was really that, that I'm digging. But bands that have been around for a while. But overall, nothing new. It's just really hard. Uh there was, there's a, a. You can get lost. You can just yeah. go in down the rabbit hole looking for new music. Nothing yeah. up and coming that. Uh... You know, honestly, I, I can't think offhand. You know, just I mean, I think for, like most of us, you kind of get like burnt out and you just go back. You go yeah. back and you start it, it, like. Re- you're you know, right. It's hard. I mean, there's nothing really that attracts me that's current that I can think of at least. Right. Right. And I do. I go back yeah. to what I know and what I like. Yeah. I mean, out. I remember like the first time, like you know, in the in late. Uh, 99, 2000, hearing Queens of the Stone Age for the first time and just being like enamored, like, fuck, th- I love this. This is this is what I've been waiting for. You know, uh, the band, The Malpractice, I think, you know, they, but they've been out for a couple years now and they're like, they're, they're fucking amazing. I just, I, I love that band. Um, but, you know, uh, new, new bands, it's so hard because I'll go see bands and, and like, it's just weird for me because I feel like people are just hearing like, it's like, like okay, on a plate of food, you know, you have your meat, your potatoes, mm-hmm. you have your corn to cob, you know, you have, you know, all your ingredients or your, all your, you know, this thing. Well, I think people are just putting syrup on their shit now. I feel like it's just like, it's just, they, they just got like one item on their, on their plate of food. Mm-hmm. And so when I hear that, I, 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 once I've heard the first 10 bars, I've heard the whole song, I feel yeah. like. So, and I, I, that's, I get turned off immediately if, if, I, if it's not moving me. Like I said, when we started mm. this thing, the music has to move me. Right. You know, and I hear new bands, I just kind of go, right. Yeah, and the old rule, 30 seconds to the hook, you know, get me get me hooked by 30 seconds in. Shit, give me the that, course out the fucking <laughs> box and I'll be happy. Yeah, yeah. And, and I heard a song the other day and some guys, I'd listen to the local college station. They're great. I love it. I, you know, I mean, it, basically the ratio is one for every 30 songs, mm. but sometimes they'll play a stunner. Somebody, they play 
three-way jam the other night. Oh, was like, that's Holy nice. crap. Nice. Anyway, you know, the song just, it was had nice texturing and, and it was ambient and it had all the right components, mm. but it didn't go anywhere and it didn't do anything. And, hmm. and yeah. I don't know. I'm that yeah. pop guy There's from some way new back. old bands I like, Dead Daisies. You know, I, I I have a friend. Of course, Brian plays right. for them, and and, I, and a couple of guys. It's, it's in an older rock style, right? Right. right. I hear modern, people people yeah. like it a lot. I haven't heard it yet, but people like it a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, well, I, well, actually, I you know who's a fucking fun as hell band that we just played with on the Monster Rock Cruise was Bisto Blanco, which is oh, Chuck, yeah. Chuck, Chuck Garrick. Chuck Garrick. It, it's it's a it's like um, Raging Slab. You know, meets you know, uh, it's got kind of Rob Zombie or White Zombie ish, but he has moments where I swear he sounds like uh, Tom Mariah from Slayer, but when he's more singy, and, and the music is hypnotic. It's just, it's just fucking. Mm, mm. It's a kind of a stage. Oh show my god! Things, right? Yeah. And I didn't know this, but uh, Calico uh, Cooper is Alice Cooper's daughter. That's the one of the singers in the band. Oh, okay. And she is electrifying on stage. So the whole band's fucking phenomenal. So what's the eighties connection, or is there no? There 80s really connection isn't. There the really Monsters? isn't. But but they they've somehow connected with because they play with Alice and and they kind of have like a right a little group of Got people in that, there. Yeah. 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 But I'm telling you, they played on the cruise and it like they played like like smaller places. I guarantee you, they'll be playing like like the big venues on the cruises. And you'll just see people just dancing the whole time. That's yeah, cool. Yeah. I'll have to check it yeah. out. Yeah, check them out. He's still Blanco. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. He's awesome. a good bass. Oh, dude. He's bassist, Dude. Too. Awesome. He was in Lynch Mob for a minute with me when I played with him in 2000. Yeah. And Oni Logan lost his voice. And, um, <laughs> and then Chuck ended up singing the whole set. <laughs> Knew all the words already? Dude. And sang it like fucking the bejesus. That's I swear. Nice. He's got one of those ah, voices that just, dude, we were like a metal band playing Lynch Mob material. That's cool. Oh, People it, are like, oh, he's wow. He's a little intimidating. He's like, he's got the right? around it. Stephen Perkins calls him, a, a, he looks like a, a, a dirty, sexy alley cat. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I know. That's funny. I'll have to yeah. meet this guy sometime. But I'm looking forward to live to see the treachery getting out and looking forward to playing with you again. I yeah, feel, I, I know. I feel like, you know, that's, the, that. that's, that's something in my life that I've missed tremendously. And I know that when we do it, even in rehearsal form, when everybody leaves, I just feel like, ah, it's just, yeah. it's literally like it's a, it touches a part of the soul that never gets touched anymore, you know? I know that sounds a little weird, but it's, it, it's no, true. it does. Uh, I, yeah. I want my soul to be rubbed like that too. Oh, so, yes. let's do that soon, brother. Yes, absolutely. Right on. Thank well, you thank you for me. listening. Thank you for coming. Thank you for thank having you. me. And we'll see you next time on Scratchcast. Oh, you're doing it. Produced and engineered by Nick Sueda at Red Cake Digital in Los Angeles, California. Powered by Goose Island IPA and Firestone Walker 805. Find us at iTunes, SoundCloud, and on Facebook. And thanks to our guest, Jimmy DeAnda.